Hi everybody and welcome to What Would The Smart Party Do? Myself and Gaz are back from our summer break. Hope you had a good one too. And we've got another question. So the question for this week is, what would the smart party do if we were confronted in real life with a gaming hero? Now, I don't have too many gaming heroes. Um, I don't know how many Gaz has got. I don't even know if we share the same gaming heroes. But I've had the privilege of meeting some of the people who write the books that I love. Um, and of course they're all interesting people because they write really interesting books and I love that kind of stuff but I just thought it might be interesting to talk about some of the personalities behind the stuff that we buy and that we play do you actually pay any attention to the credits page in your games books does it matter to you is there authors or artists that you will follow from product line to product line or is every work just taken on its own merits and it doesn't matter to you who's written it or what the personality might be behind that story um so we'll see how we go on so um so gaz gaming heroes mate have you got any have you met them does it matter to you whose name is on what book you've got lots of questions there baz well i don't know i don't know about heroes first of all heroes seems a bit strong but i think i know what you're trying to say so so i'll roll with it uh the other i suppose the other thing you're going to mention there is be, be careful of meeting your heroes because they never live up to your expectations so that's another thing but i've certainly got people that are probably admire respect uh people who are consistently good people who are exciting uh, and i think with a lot of people involved in gaming is that they might have specific skills much like we've said on forums and stuff you can be great at running games for example it doesn't mean you're any good at writing games or scenarios or that sort of thing so there's a mix of things there it's interesting if you've got a really good rpg writer and i'm sure you and i could list several that we quite like does that necessarily mean you want to meet them and have a beer with them does that mean they're a fun person to be around uh the answer is yes and no depending on the individual i think having met several at conventions over the years but yeah definitely look at whose names are on books i find it very interesting sometimes actually that there's there's a sort of cult of personality around some people who their name like for example monty cook it's not numenera it's monty cook's numenera and that seems to make it better for some people or obviously their publishers think that's more attractive whereas you have D fifth edition which doesn't need a name on the front of it even though they probably appeal to similar sort of players so that, that's a bit odd and then there's other things where if you take something smaller perhaps delta green for example or art dream publishing that's presented as a company but probably just really it's a guy and maybe half a dozen of the people he works with but behind that company is really just some dude but you don't view mm. it as the cult of shane it is art dream publishing that are really good so there's a really good mixture i think in in the rpg circles between a personality and what a company is whether it's actually a big company or it's just some guy with a brand uh, and then you've got your individual writers many of whom are freelancers who are spread between many products so yeah do I have gaming heroes I'm not sure but there's certainly people I follow and because uh, mm. you get quality out of some people don't you or, or you, the, their ideas really spring to you really connect with what you're thinking or fire things off in your mind whereas other people seem to leave you cold what do you think to that yeah uh, yeah of course absolutely I mean I've I've always looked at my gaming books and if I've enjoyed it and even if I haven't enjoyed it because I like to read every single word in my gaming book um uh, and certainly I did when I was younger and I would read the whole blooming spells list you know that that doesn't happen so much these days but I want to read every page 
and and usually you open the front cover and on the page three you've got your credits list and I've always paid attention to who's written it who's edited it all of that stuff kind of matters to me it matters to me in every other field you know I don't buy novels based on the cover Um, I buy them based on the author and music um you know when i was a wee ben and listening to me vinyl double albums of prog you know i'd sit there with the gatefold sleeve open and i just read this stuff while i was listening to the music so it does matter to me because you know what there's there's an awful lot of stuff out there and we're in a bit of a golden age of role playing right now there's so much stuff available there's never been as much stuff given that pretty much the entire history of gaming is still available so if you didn't have some kind of touchstone some kind of indicator of quality what would you do just run into your drive through account or your friendly local game store and just pick something shiny maybe people do do that I don't know but I suspect it comes from personal references and if you are a lone gamer um, as I've been on plenty of occasions without a group going on or stuff like that then you follow the author don't you so you know, for a long time, if it had Robin Laws written on the front of the book or near the front of the book, I knew, and I still do know, to be fair, I know it's going to be a really good read and it's going to be very interesting and it will probably give me some insights and a few light bulb moments in my head. Might not be something I'd want to play the following week, but it's absolutely a mark of quality. And, I, and surely most people have got two or three standbys that they go to for that because I don't think you can trust a product line because from any biggish company that product line is going to have been developed by just different people the freelancers you mentioned before if you follow something like i don't know traveler any of its editions all the way through by the time they've got half a dozen supplements out there wouldn't necessarily be any consistency to the work it would be really difficult to do that because different people would do different things and actually that's fine for a big setting as well you know have those multiple viewpoints on it so there's definitely some people that i follow their work I don't have to like them as people and I suppose that sort of brings me to the next point I'd be really interested to know what you think about this guys because these days your RPG designers are way more contactable approachable you could just get into their lives so much easier than you ever could before because they'll be on G plus they'll be on Facebook they'll answer an email um, you can meet them at a con readily enough um, it's not that difficult to do and even the rock stars of which I think probably Monty Cook is maybe the only one these days maybe Mark Reinhagen was back in the day of Vampire I don't think so anymore but they're all dead approachable I don't have to like them as people so if if on sheer random chance there's no reason why I would get on with these people apart from a shared love of the book that they've written but it doesn't matter to me whether they're nice guys and they are usually guys in my experience it doesn't matter whether they're nice whether they're approachable whether I like their politics or or, or anything outside of the book that they've written um, so I do kind of back away from from contacting my heroes in that way I love listening to their seminars and their panels and hearing them discuss their work but I don't have to like them as people um how about you guys what's what's your what's your relationship like with your heroes then i should say and and if heroes is the wrong word i apologize maybe your your favored authors it's it's a very odd one because there's i've got a very uh personal relationship with gaming so i've not done much in the way of writing for example certainly in a published sense uh, my expertise or forte is in running games or you know taking games in, absorbing them and then relating them to other people 
I've been doing that for many years. So the same sort of thing applies when I go and see something. I quite like seminars, like you said. I've listened to Robin Law's ones, for example, or uh, Kenneth Height, or a, a bunch of other people like that that are dragging me to various other places you can go and listen. But I, I kind of, I'm not, due to my personality type, I'm not one really to sit back and listen to stuff and then that's it. I kind of want to get involved. Hence probably why I'm more vocal on forums and we do this podcast and things like that. Uh, I know a lot of people are quite happily, uh, are consumers. They're quite happy like consuming information or discussion or talk. But I hear something and I've immediately got an opinion on it and want to go and say something. So it's probably a little bit awkward for me with some people that I kind of want to go and talk to them. And certainly some of the the older generation of designers that that I've met over the years, I find it curious because some of them seem to have a bit of a cult of personality around them, uh, and they have. It's it's. You've mentioned the rock star thing, so it is almost like they've got groupies, or they've got the hardcore fans that bought every album, and there'll be mm. guys you know with um, stacks and stacks of books all tucked in their arm asking for each one to be signed, all the rest of it, and kind of get mm. you a coffee and all that thing you wrote was so amazing and. Uh, treat them with such adulation I find it quite odd and I've, I've had a, a hard time sometimes chatting to some people certainly residential cons who are the writers or, or famous people because they seem to be used to gamers coming up and treating them like they're the, they are rock stars or not to a, a great degree but they used to be a favoured position if you know what I mean like they're going to be listened to and they expect just to be able to um, dispense their wisdom in some cases and aren't used to being challenged Whereas I think I come from more of an angle of I, I like to critique things or find some way of challenging or find out, well, why did you go that way and why didn't you do this? And I don't think that necessarily goes down too well. And, and I can understand it. You know, if you've been paid to be a guest of honour at, at some event, you don't really want the awkward guy coming up asking you awkward questions. What you quite like is someone going, your stuff's amazing, can you sign my book? That's the kind of thing you want to hear. So meeting people, I... I I probably find a challenge based on I prefer being with a proletariat, if you know what I mean, in terms of I can speak to everybody else as a peer and they expect mm. to speak to me in a similar fashion, I think. How about yeah, you? That... Are, you? Are you happy just, just to kind of like receive wisdom or do you, do you not feel the desire to kind of go and challenge it or seek a greater insight? I don't have a huge amount I need to ask my favourite games designers. I suppose that's my issue. Um I, I don't have a bunch of burning questions if I were trapped in a lift with Gary Gygax I might I might have a half dozen good questions to ask and, and actually that's one fellow I have met um, and uh, yeah it was an honour to do so and I dutifully queued up at Manchester Gen Con to have my programme signed by the great man himself and the, the question I asked him was do you still get to play role playing games very often um, and it took me ages to think of that one because I thought I don't want to be one of those dweeby fans who says like you know who invented the D4 or do you did you really hate Dave Arneson or or you know the gelatinous cube were you high I mean I, I didn't want to ask any, uh, actually they're probably all decent questions uh, but I just wanted to get my question out shake the man's hand you know walk away with his signature and, and a happy memory and, I, and I'm glad I did so but he's one of very 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 few um, because at the end of the day apart from people like Monty Cook and, and Gygax and, and maybe the people who really have got a decent public profile games designers are just you know like you me and every other person we've ever had in our gaming groups I don't think there's a huge amount of cachet should be applied to the term game designer I think there used to be I think you know back in the days of the 80s it was potentially you could have something called a hobby elite 
um, you know the guys who would be always in white dwarf and there was no real way of like with the internet now of communicating on such a regular basis that you could like you know knock through those levels of stardom again these are all the wrong words these are all stuff that should be applied to to rock stars and sports stars and things like that. It, it our hobby now is is no more than that it's a hobby even the industry is still at hobby level and they're all just ordinary guys and gals who do this for fun because there ain't many millionaires in gaming so you know don't treat people like millionaires i'd, I'd hope not to anyway and I, I just i'm desperately unimpressed by people who try to wear game designer or game publisher as a badge i don't think many people do in fairness um but i think you know anyone can design the game they want anyone can publish the game they want anyone can write the game they want they can make as much noise or as little noise about it as possible there are people whose work i respect and i happily have a pint and chat to them about their thoughts but most of the time i don't need to because most of those guys are putting their thoughts on the internet every day you know you you find me a quiet games designer i'll buy you a pint because you know <laughs> by the by their very nature i think they want to get their thoughts out there sometimes that's in the format of a game uh, but often it's in the format of a blog or they've just got a presence on social media or they're always at a con so um yeah i don't know if that answers your question guys but uh but yeah, certainly I, I don't feel a pressing need to to ask Kenneth Height any more questions. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not like he's done 100 podcasts. And <laughs> if, yeah, if exactly. anything else The restraining know. order is still there, <laughs> so you know, I don't think I'm allowed. Yeah, I think it kind of works in two different ways, doesn't it? It's funny because back in the day when we were looking at our books and you were saying, oh, look, Carl Sargent's written in this one or something mm. like that, some other name from our past. You didn't know who these people were. If you went to Gen Con or somewhere like that, it was that once-in-a-year opportunity you got to actually meet a writer, and you had no idea what they looked like or anything because, you know, there's no picture in the book, and there's no internet when we first started. Mm. And now we've got this, this access to people all of a sudden, so that probably, I think, for me, some of the mystique's gone away because now you can actually get in touch with them. But I think when we were younger, it was just... You didn't know who these people were. They were like Stephen King or someone. They were an author that mm. lived in some faraway land and you never got to see him or speak to him or any, any kind of approach but then I think equally the other way some of the newer people or personalities on the scene uh, are using social media and have kind of developed their own kind of following which you would never have had before because they wouldn't have contact mm -hmm. with all their fans or people who like their products and now that's that seems to have developed um, and it's I find it quite a curious thing that in, amongst the RPG community there seems to be a lot of people who will really fervently uh, sort of follow, defend the views of, uh, adulate, uh, various other descriptors, really sort of like adhere to a particular designer or writer or something like that, no matter what else. And I find that quite curious indeed, because you can, as you've mentioned a bit earlier, you can like the stuff they write and love their gaming ideas. It doesn't mean to say that the stuff they say on politics or the football team they support or anything like that is therefore of any better quality just because they write good games about elves and dwarves but it seems to inspire that I, th I think it's a, I don't know whether people or younger people growing up have just kind of got used to that idea by following people on Twitter and Facebook and all the other different devices and apps there are out there perhaps now being a game designer if you produce a few things your name gets known is, is worthy of following much like you follow your local football team or anything else you've got on Twitter and you just stream through loads and loads of content in your life of things that are happening and it's just one more info stream that you get 
Yeah, I mean, uh, gamers are tribal. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm tribal, you're tribal, we're all tribal, but gamers can be more tribal than anyone, more than any sports fan. And, um, you know, a couple of years back, when uh, when the edition wars were going on between D&D 4th Edition and, well, nearly everybody else, but especially Pathfinder, that really was getting out of hand in the community as a whole um, and pretty early on too and and you know there was there was absolutely some warfare going on with people sticking up for their favorite publisher it didn't come down to people so much interestingly but it was very much publisher you know the people who hated wizards of the coast loved the people at paizo and you could see from the way that people defended their line that they were anthropomorphizing the whole debate about the rule system which one was better and which one was worse and therefore the people who worked at whichever side of the fence you were on were good people and the people who worked for the opposition were bad people not bad designers just genuinely bad people and and i think you know you still see that now um and and paizo for example gets so much love and maybe i'm sort of showing my colors here a bit but they get so much love for their product but if Wizard of the Coast had their logo on the front and it was by them, they would be slated for exactly the same content. Exactly the same. And and it does work the other way around as well, I should hasten to add. It's, it depends which side of the tribal line you're on. But you will forgive your heroes anything and you will never let your enemies get away with anything. And that, that's tribalism at its worst. And a really bizarre thing with the Paizo Wizard of the Coast thing was the staff were constantly moving between the two offices anyway <laughs> all the Paizo guys used to work for Wizards of the Coast you've only got to look at uh, I, I, I tell you, I'll name one Wayne Reynolds as an artist who absolutely is very divisive people love him people hate him and he gets seen as like you know the man who destroyed Wizards of the Coast by putting belts on everything and making it look dungeon punk and all of that he's kind of the staff artist for Paizo but that's all right when he does it for them it's just bonkers <laughs> mate They're, these freelance guys who work for these companies are all as far as i can tell from meeting some of them in real life they're pretty matey um you know they're all in the industry for the size it is at gen con they'll line up to have beers with each other and you know it'll be their annual reunion they don't care about some of the tribal lines that gamers will put up on a company basis but to add to your point i do think that since that edition war's over it's gotten a lot more personal so it's less about the companies now because there aren't so many companies but there are lots of one man and one woman bands or small time operations like you know or lamentations of the flame princess um I mean, you know they'll court any controversy going it's a couple of guys and it? it's james raggy and it's you know some other people he's got uh, doing some bits and pieces for him on the side this is these are not big operations and it's very hard to separate the name of the company from the name of the person so stuff has got personal in the last couple of years um, and you mentioned before that you know D&D doesn't have to have a name on the front well in the last edition it had some names on the inside that really bothered people you know it had the list of consultants which absolutely people were up in arms about some of the names on that list um, and you know fine like I say I don't necessarily like on a personal level those guys cause I don't know them for goodness sake I'm just a <laughs> consumer of their product and they don't know me and they shouldn't give a monkeys what I think of them on a personal level but there were people who would not buy those books because of some of the names that helped write it and that's madness because I would never get to the cinema or I'd never set foot in a bookshop or I wouldn't work in the place I do if people's 
political or personal beliefs had any bearing on my working or leisure relationship with them but that's how people go and I think it does get personal whether you like or loathe I think it's more tribal now than ever but people's names do come into it more than they used to yeah definitely I think a function of that possibly is how easy it is relatively speaking to publish your own game now you don't need to be part of a company or print 10,000 copies at a time or anything like that so people can have their own games and just express what they want to Uh, Mm. I, I find it odd that more people can't be then um, willing to leave that alone if it's not for you. If you don't like James Ruggie stuff, you know, if you're not interested in body horror and all that kind of stuff and think it's distasteful, well, don't look at his stuff. Go and play something mm-hmm. else. You know, there's uh, is it Golden Sky Stories, which is mm-hmm. a game about little animals and you make a happy story at the end of it, which doesn't appeal to me either. Well, Ruggie stuff doesn't as on the whole either. But they're, they're two completely different ends of the spectrum, and I don't see why anyone anywhere has got the need to get angry about either. If you don't like them, just don't do them. I don't like golf, but I don't stand outside golf clubs shouting at people for doing it. You know, let them crack mm. on if they want to. And I don't see why it then becomes, as you've mentioned there, like about the personality. Uh, a really curious one, I think, is that that D and D fifth edition, and um, one of the personalities was Zach S or Zach Smith who's really unapologetic on the internet and um, I think if you dig into some of his posts a bit uh, in the past you get to the point uh, where it sort of revealed to me why he's like he is I think initially when I rubbed up against him in G plus circles I was kind of wondering like why are you not even trying to get on with people you know why are you being this way out because you expect a publisher of product to show some kind of uh, you know, nice face to his, his consumers or someone who might potentially be a consumer but I can't remember the, the exactitude of it so I'll know that get told off if I get it wrong but his words were something along the line of you know, I, I work in the adult entertainment industry, I'm an artist I'm X, Y and Z he listed like a few things that he did and that's what he did for a living, how he defined himself and how he made his living and you know, game designer or whatever or book writer came right down the bottom and he basically said, "Like, I don't give a monkey's about anybody's opinion about this. This is something that I really like, and I'm doing it because this is the way I want to game and, and what I find really useful, and I want to put it out there and let other people use it. And I don't care if other people don't, and I don't really want to get on with them. I don't see the need to change my opinion to suit them. And if they don't want to buy it or it damages, it means I sell less books. Well, that's all right. I don't care. So that's that's where he is. That's his position. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's fair enough." But then it does mean that he will rub people up the wrong way in many places because he'll just be quite unapologetic about the way he is and how he responds to people. But if you don't like it, don't try and talk to him. <laughs> it's, it's fairly straightforward. Uh, and then the, the battle lines thing you talked about was very odd that there's, there's some of his ardent followers have kind of got these uh, Zach S uh, D&D t-shirts and wore them at Gen Con as a kind of a, I don't know, a humorous thing because of all the controversy around it they thought they'd, they'd fly the flag and show the colours I guess which to me again it's not particularly offensive if they only that's fine but that caused a mass uh, sort of Twitter outburst from the other side of the camp who thought that was horrific and he shouldn't have been involved and, and the whole flame war all started all over again from when the book first came out and you kind of think I really wish people had just actually talked more about the games they like and what they're doing and what's cool and not how they don't like what someone else is doing or the name that's on their t-shirt or you know these things don't matter why are you getting wound up about them 
talk about your games, surely. Well, it, mate, the, the thing is that, that style still matters more than content to some commentators. You know, it's um, you know, we we often joke about this, don't we? But it really does matter to people sometimes what shape something is, or what color it is, or what font something is in, rather than the words that have been printed in the book itself, or you know, the content of a podcast compared to the music that intros it and outros it. It's it's kind of bizarre, and it is it is something to argue about, and people absolutely should have opinions and I'm actually in the camp that says I wish I could hear more about people's opinions but I'd like the opinions to be about the content not necessarily the person and and if we are going to talk about people uh, whether they be authors or artists or publishers or whoever's important to us in the hobby it would be good to celebrate stuff rather than shoot stuff down um, you know and you can look at the list of consultants for D&D 5e and I'm really really conscious of the fact that we might be dragging up a year old argument here but I think what's good about that is that there's a list of consultants for D&D it, it almost <laughs> doesn't matter what the names are in there but some people were asked what they thought about it rather than a couple of guys at Wizards who in themselves are not a big operation but there could have been the three or four of them just like gave us their vision um, but they did an open thing they did an open playtest they got opinions in and they got in people whose opinions clearly were going to not necessarily be towing the company line they might have been hard to hear but they did a consultation thing that's good I wouldn't be at all surprised if no company ever did a consultation again on its on its works because look what happens to it uh, arguably you could say it's all good publicity D&D 5e seems to have prospered despite whoever was in its contributor list it doesn't make any difference you know to most tables but to those of us who do watch the hobby and the industry from a distance it's unedifying and it certainly isn't very british i don't know the next thing i was going to ask as is you know as brits we kind of you know the 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 stereotype is that we don't like people getting above themselves and you know we like to chop down the tallest poppy and that kind of thing and that might be why we're all a bit more sort of I don't know, less starstruck at our conventions and, you know, we're more likely to be being sick in the gutter with the guys who wrote Slay than <laughs> fawning at some seminar with the bloke who wrote a Numenera supplement in America. I don't know. I don't want to be mean to our colonial cousins, but I definitely think you, you, you can't really get away with superstar behaviour in the UK gaming scene. It's too small and we know each other too well, don't we? What do you think, mate? You've been sick on a few people's shoes in your in the past, mine included. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mutual. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> uh, very, very true. As uh, I don't know, I've not really met many of the the foreign uh, for the big American companies kind of people. I guess is the so I wouldn't know how to compare it or or American gamers on the, on the whole. To be honest, I've never been mm. to the big Jenkin over in, in the states. Uh, but yeah, I think there's um. There's a more of a sense of rooting for the underdog, isn't there, in, in the UK? Yeah. There's certainly been a few things recently I've seen where uh, people of our level, to so to speak, as in not published authors or freelancing RPG writers for a living, have published something or done a pay what you want or started a patron and all the rest of it. And they seem to get quite a lot of support, and it's just from other members of the community who just generally want to see them do well. And I think that mm. gets more support from the, the typically British game, is that kind of trying to give a a foot up or a, a leg up to the the guy below you rather than quite so much focusing on who's already at the top and I think like mm. you say there's a little bit of perhaps not trying to take the shine off it but you're kind of looking for the what's been done wrong almost 
to a degree. Mm. I think a bit of that. Whereas someone less established, you're much more keen to give them a pat on the back and a shake of the hand and, and want them to do well and really root for them. So maybe it's just Britishness that helps that bit out. I don't know. Um, yeah. But there's, uh, the thing I want to see from, if we talk about guests at, at conventions and stuff like that, uh, even if it's people I don't necessarily get on with or I don't even like their games or whatever, I like to see them adding some value. I think one of the things that I used to get if it's a little bit miffed about is guests sometimes that were paid to be at a convention because I'd know that my convention fee, fee rather, had gone to pay for them being there and if they never did anything apart from drink free beer and hang around in bars and stuff I couldn't help feeling that somehow my convention dollar could have been spent in a better way maybe that's why fleshes like TSR went under, who knows but um, <laughs> if if I think about it, here's some good examples so if you, if you get uh, for example Sandy Peterson to your convention the father of Cthulhu he works like an absolute dog whether you like Cthulhu or not or agree with what he has to say about stuff or like his horror movies or, or, or whatever else he wants to talk about he will work non-stop, he will slave away he, he does seminars he does convention writing stuff, he'll run late night film reviews uh, he'll run games for you, he'll do all kinds of stuff, now that's like a really good high value you know, guest and whether yeah. I particularly hold him in high regard or anyone else does, and whether he knows who I am or not, it's totally irrelevant. The fact of the matter is, for me, in terms of promoting the hobby and being good for the hobby and someone you want at your convention, that kind of full-on behaviour of just really excited about games, passionate about it, and wanting to share every waking moment, doing more of that with other gamers, that's that's the perfect kind of rock star for a, for a gaming convention or for, for gaming in general, I think. Hmm, hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we—I I couldn't agree more, mate. I mean, that, don't get me wrong. Uh, although I'm not starstruck by guests of honour, I'm pleased they're there, especially if it's someone whose work I respect, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, I—I I love that Ken and Robin, out of Ken and Robin, talk about stuff are constantly at Dragon Meet. They make a big effort every year, you know, and and they're very, very accessible, and they're happy to work their booth and you know talk to their fans and sign the books and and chat with anybody and those guys must go home very hoarse indeed because they do that and that's cool um i do like all of that stuff so as much as i'm not starstruck i am i am appreciative of people who make the effort and and that's that might as well be the motto of the smart party you know it's like whether you're, you're playing your 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 session of earth dawn round the table late at night i'm appreciative of people who make the effort and if you don't make the effort then go and do something you would like to make an effort at yeah um, and that's true of, of your celeb gamers too but one of the things that you, you just reminded me of speaking of people coming across oceans to go to gaming conventions do you remember that kickstarter for uh, a a games designer to come over to either it was either the uk or the other way around but it was to fly across the atlantic to come to a game convention and to get that person there needed a kickstarter so that their fans could pay for the airfare ticket yeah i've got to say that left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth i didn't much comment on it at the time because who cares what my opinion on it is i could either kickstart it or not and i wouldn't deny anybody's right to do so but i still think it's strange behavior and it 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 kind of speaks against my natural instincts of just like you know earn your place rather than go begging i don't know Gaz, speak now before I get myself in a lawsuit or in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of, I'm halfway there. I know what you mean. Uh, I can appreciate your point of view, 
but I think it comes back to my earlier point where I I looked at the Kickstarter and just thought you were having a laugh so I didn't back it and I didn't <laughs> encourage anyone else to uh, it, it, it was not my place to then go onto the Kickstarter and tell other people not to back it because what people do with their money and their free time is their business uh, but I, yeah I found it very strange you could you could look at it though from a positive point of view of there's enough people that were passionate enough about that what that game designer was doing that they were willing to get together and pay and have them come over and I think and, and it happened and I think that's yeah. probably going to be seen as a good thing you know I, mean? I don't think we could ever have dreamed of how would you do it before the internet you know when we were back in the 90s or something mm. like that if we wanted to get Robin Laws over to the UK how would we organise it uh, you know, mm. a strong letter writing campaign that wouldn't have done it mm. um, so yeah I, d I don't know uh, I think I think it's good when it comes from the fans when people are saying we want you our convention or we want this to happen I think where it's getting a little bit dodgy is I think we, and I think this is where perhaps you're coming from is when people are sort of saying I'd like to go and visit London or New York or something uh, <laughs> who wants to pay for me to go there and then it feels like you're not doing this for gaming or because people want you there you just want to go somewhere and you're leveraging your status to get that holiday but you know equally if people are happy to pay the money so that thing happens uh, fair enough I'm, I'm not going to deny them that opportunity but that kind of goes against the grain for me a little bit it doesn't feel like someone trying to promote gaming or the hobby or anything like that but you know, hey, Baz, if our when our if when our podcast goes supernova, you know, and we're getting paid ten thousand dollars an episode, I'm I'm not going to begrudge someone who wants to fly us over to the Bahamas or something. <laughs> oh, mate, this this I hope this comes back to bite us on the ass. I really do. <laughs> yeah, when mate, we're on a yacht, when people are shouting stuff from the quayside at Monaco. We'll brew the That's day. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when I'm sick, sipping champagne out of your belly button in the Marriott Hotel <laughs> just down the road from Gen Con. Again. And some, some, <laughs> some young, young, young gentleman comes up to us with a, with a tape recorder and replays this podcast. As, you know, they knew us before we were sold out to the man, you know. <laughs> and we were the good guys. Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, but it's a sense of perspective, isn't there, mate? I mean, the, the hobby and the industry are two separate things but they've never been closer uh, there was definitely a time where there was an industry and a couple of industries and you had your big players like your TSRs and and Games Workshop even and, and things like that and there was a real industry but that was 20-30 years ago you know and the hobby and the industry have never been closer and really if you're talking about celebrities in gaming now you're really asking who's the tallest dwarf in the room because we're we're all very very similar in in capability and potential and all the other things that we want to do and you know to the to the guy or the gal who's sitting at their dining room table tonight sketching out some events for a scenario to run at a con you're a games designer because you're doing it right now um you might not have a printed book in a in a game shop but who does these days you know that sort of thing is getting rarer and rarer by the day but you know you're a five minutes effort away from having it on drive through um if, if that's the sort of thing that floats your boat and you can get your material out if you want to so I'm, I'm really leery of the big personalities that roam around the community at the moment because I just don't know if they've just tried to become personalities first and gamers second it can look a bit like that sometimes you know I think there's less of it in, in the British community I'm I'm really proud of the guys in the British community and I'm not trying to slight the guys outside the UK at all I just don't know them as well 
and I only know about activities really third or fourth hand and usually through social media and that's no way to judge anybody um, but I think you know one of the nicest thing about gaming is that it is so democratic and with technology as well it's been even more democratic I mean god knows I can get my stuff published and people actually take it up on the offer so that's how democratic it is <laughs> so you know I, is there you know once when I was a callow youth and I really would have given anything to go and visit the editorial team at White Dwarf and be invited out for a drink or lunch with those guys that doesn't happen anymore now it's actually about mates at conventions and having a pint with them and there isn't a hierarchy at any of the tables I've sat at. And I think that's a good thing. So, you know, that that's maybe my last word on the subject. Gaming hierarchy, the hobby elite, I'm glad it's gone. Yeah, uh, and I think uh, we we have a really... Uh, again, I'm a bit like you. I can't really comment on the US thing because I've not been over there and I don't know it well enough. So it's not because I'm slighting our colonial friends at all. It's just that I don't have the experience. But um, I think in Britain we've got a really rich environment in terms of they've got a good set of referees and gems, people who are well recognised in their particular fields and some run games that I would run a mile from and never touch with a barge pole but that's fine because there's hundreds of people who want to play them and similarly there's games I run that people aren't interested in but you know, I put my work in and run plenty of games for people and a lot of the people we knew who were just guys and I think this is what we were saying before about um, even the big names so to speak are just other guys they're other geeks and role players they're not really anything special they might have a talent but you know they put their trousers on one leg at a time we've got people like if you look at Andrew Kenrick who works at Cubicle 7 now is the managing editor uh, you've got Scott Dorwood who's running the Will Walk Cthulhu line that sort of stuff Mike Mason who's uh, over at Chaosium now running Cthulhu there for those guys uh, and all these sort of people have come from really just a grassroots levels. there's people like you and I who we've gamed out with or had in gaming groups or sat around a tail at a convention with and had a pint just normal everyday people and, and they're sort of in the, the higher levels of gaming industry such as it is certainly from a British point of view and again you know games like The One Ring and all that kind of stuff Doctor Who for, for Cubicle 7 are doing really well but we know people who are there in that in the kind of management levels of that company and they are just people like us I don't think it's anything to be intimidated by and fair play to them, you know, they've done, I'm not undermining their achievement, they've done well to get where they are and they're producing good stuff uh, you know, brilliant on them but to reinforce your point they were at one point, all those guys just someone sat in a room with some mates playing some games or doodling their own little ideas about their own little adventure and eventually one or two published a game some people freelanced it's all stuff we can all do and I don't think it's beyond the reach of anybody to kind of be a gaming rock star, it's just you publish some stuff and people might like it or not and you, but you, I think more likely as long as you do something half decent you will find people who like it because there's mm. that many people out there you've got the internet now, there's 7 billion people someone's going to like what you've written you hope, hope so. <laughs> <laughs> d d d feel free uh, yeah, to come and, crying and to me if there isn't <laughs> yeah, I'll buy a copy I could do with a few more of them knocking on my door because <laughs> <laughs> you know don't, I mean, yeah, again mate you know the, the the gaming celebrity is is you know is is perhaps a mirage and we should never go towards it but you know everybody likes to be popular uh, everybody likes to be respected and you know and we're we're tarts for it mate we love comment and uh, we always wrap up every podcast and we'll do the same with this one by saying you know tell us your opinions don't necessarily agree with us i'd be astounded if you did 
um, but tell us what you think you know chip in chip into the conversation bring your opinion to the table tell us more stuff if you do like what we say tell us and we'll keep saying the same old thing and then it'll be even better because we just want that level of interaction which as usual i always bring this up but that's the point of the hobby it's an interactive hobby and you get together with your peeps and you sit around a table or you sit opposite a screen but you, it is not a solo activity and that level of interaction is the the differentiator between this hobby and so many others so that interaction doesn't stop when you step away from your d20s and your gm screens and i'd love to see more of it yeah just more debate more comment um yeah we're, we're tarts for it give us plenty of your <laughs> comments and um and we'll be happy happy people Okay, so I don't know, guys. I, th- I, d- I think I feel like we've answered the question of what would the smart party do if it met its gaming heroes. Um, is there anything left to say on that point? Uh, I think we should possibly just go for a little bit more of a high note to be honest. But as we, we did have it, we did give it a, bit of a good thrash there. But uh, I feel we're, we're, the mood feels a little somber in the room, shall we say? So we've talked about the perhaps aren't rock stars, but of the people you've met or interacted with. Have you got some one or two good ones or a few that you could mention that you think are, are worthy of you've got something out of or you've got some gaming nuggets from meeting them or something like that? Is there anybody you can think of? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's tons. Um, I mean, I, I'll bring up the mutual one in a minute. I'll just, I'll just you know, light your blue touch paper on this one, guys, and we'll talk about the, the, the Gen Con we had where we had a few beers with the guys who wrote and, uh, and illustrated Slate Industries. I'll leave that one for you, but I'll just prep that one for you now. Um, but while, while you're trying to reminisce about that great night we had, I'll just talk about some of the people, and you've already mentioned them. You know, I've had the privilege and honour of working with and being pals with Mike Mason, line developer for Call of Cthulhu. Um, you know, lovely guy, and he's, he did a lot for me when we worked together at Games Workshop. Um, and, you know, we've had some hilariously good times playing Call of Cthulhu in the same venue. Um, lovely guy, and, um, you know, is a fellow whose work I really respect, and he's given me advice and some leg-ups in the past, which I've really appreciated to this day. I, I I still, if I take the chance on emailing somebody whose work I respect and ask them for advice or to look over some of my random jottings, I never get anything back but respectful responses with decent feedback, you know. You never feel like you're getting a pro forma response from almost anyone. You know, very recently over at UK Role Players, um, myself and a couple of the other guys there uh, put together a kind of a UK Role Players Hall of Fame um, and that involved getting in touch with people, you know, the absolute cornerstones of the British hobby, like Ian Livingstone, Steve Jackson, Marcus Rowland, Phil Masters. And these guys all came back to us with really warm words, and they were the, the opposite of unapproachable. And in people like Ian Livingstone's case, you know, this is, this is a man who sat at number 10 in business briefings. This is a man who's, <laughs> who's um, got more money than I will ever dream of and has got every reason to have nothing to do with some snotty-nosed punk from Essex who wants to talk to him about what he did 30 years ago when he had hair. <laughs> and, you know, he's got no reason to be like that at all, but he was nothing but encouraged. And those guys still you know love the fact that people are playing the little pen and paper games that they had a hand in helping create um and you know just fantastic to get an email back from someone like that and those those would be genuine heroes to me those kind of guys because they did seem so unapproachable back in the day and now that technology and and wisdom has come along you make you reach out and you get back nothing but good vibes from them so yeah i would find it way harder to list 
the people I've had bad interactions with way harder. In fact, I'm struggling right now. There's people I would avoid, I think, based on their personal politics. But that doesn't mean I have a bad interaction with them. It means I have no interaction with them. That's fine. But I actually haven't met that many idiots. So there you go. For me, mate, that would be my high note. But we need to tell people about Gen Con. Yeah. <laughs> I don't quite know where to start or finish. <laughs> I'm not really sure about the middle bit either. <laughs> I guess my point would be that we've had some some good times at Gen Cons in the past, the big UK events, which are still a trifle compared to the ones in the States. You know, they're still small-time affairs. But back in the 90s, when there was some British gaming, I think was really flourishing with stuff like Slay Industry, loads of stuff coming out of Scotland, for example. You know, that was was a game that the the Brits still revere, um, despite its absolute non-attendance in the new release section of any games store you've been in for a very long time, uh, uh, you know we 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 managed to um, find ourselves sitting next to these guys in a bar, um, and you know what was good about that was that we had plenty to eat, we had plenty to drink, and then we had some more to drink, and we were talking about you know their game that they'd put together, and it was a game that that had an element of mystique to it anyway um you know in the fiction of the game and in the production of the game it's like where did this come from what does it all mean you know you could it was a game you could absolutely obsess about um and the guys themselves were just a hoot and they couldn't have been more open about their influences and where stuff came from and you know generous to a fault as well uh, and at the end of that i remember thinking that was really cool to meet you know some people who've produced some work that we really love um and they turned out to be nice fellas too and um and pass me the sick bucket because i've had about 15 too many beers thanks to that conversation (laughs) Uh, it was you know just a top night out with top people and and at the end of it it didn't come down to what what books their names were on it came down to the the good time out we'd had with like-minded people yeah and i think um another thing to take away from it was i I suppose i could have done with less about slay industries to be honest because some of the where they got some of the names for, for characters and various other bits and pieces that I really didn't need to know. But um, it was... <laughs> Family show, mate. Yeah, yeah, quite. But it was very good uh, from the point of view of uh, some other people, for example, around that time were taking Slay Industries really seriously and had sort of these very definite views about what it meant and what how you should play it. And just to talk to the guys who'd written it and where they were coming from, uh, all that stuff that people were getting uptight about didn't matter at all. It was just some guys, like say, who put a game together and had a really good laugh doing it, and you know made a really cracking sort of game world and product around it, and built up this cult following. But yeah, if you ever find yourself getting riled about what someone else thinks about something, just take it back and think, you, whatever emphasis you put on it, you probably don't know what the original designer intended. To be honest. And it, what they probably wanted was a fun game. They didn't want you to start a flame war with someone or go on a crusade telling someone else their game was wrong or they didn't understand your game or that you knew it better. They wanted you to have a laugh and meet some other people, like-minded people, and have a laugh with them too and play some good games, you know. Yeah, I've got an, I've got another perfect example, mate. And one of the nicest guys I've ever met is a fellow called Rick Priestley. Rick Priestley was, uh, I suppose, the mastermind behind the Warhammer Worlds and 40k you know two of the grimmest darkest settings you will ever encounter um but as a fella uh he's one of the most whimsical slightly batty but really nice guys you will ever meet and he's been constantly baffled over like 30 years now about how seriously people take warhammer 
because the game that he envisaged was much more steeped in that kind of British eccentric tradition of fairies down the bottom of the garden. And I remember him telling me once that he had a he had a little random table for what happened when he got attacked by a giant in Warhammer, um, and they made him take out of the list. Um, well, something that, uh, that if a giant did it to you, you'd know about it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> if a giant was being really friendly, you would be probably wouldn't be able to sit down for a month afterwards. And they made him take that out, and, he, and he's always <laughs> regretted that day. And he reckons that was the day where Warhammer turned far too serious for his liking. <laughs> and this is a game which kept stuff in bag, you know, or put down trousers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That made the list. That's what that made the cut. Yeah. <laughs> You know, but I think we could all take it far too seriously sometimes, and, and and don't take the personalities that seriously would be my advice. Because you know, generally speaking, we've said it time and time again in this cast, it's just guys like you and me, uh, and probably actually much more likable. So <laughs> don't be afraid of uh, of either approaching your favourite author or emulating them and being that person yourself, because you know it's easier to do than it looks. Absolutely, yeah. I think there's um, although I've, I mentioned earlier about guests should be there and they should work like dogs because they've been paid to be there and stuff like that I can give other examples for example uh, Loz Whitaker. I remember we really wanted to see a game of Stormbringer mm. or Elwick uh, and he was just knocking off for the evening you know he'd been running games all day I didn't really want to do it but we're just kind of like well we'll buy you Guinness and uh, you know, he was really down with that he was like oh well in that case and you know mm. throughout the game he went wandering off because he needed to speak to people and he had stuff to do but we had a good session and that was purely based on him thinking well I want a pint and these guys are gamers and seem like a good laugh and we, we had a really cracking game with him mm. uh, and that was nothing about um, something else you say I suppose is sometimes gamers feel a little bit entitled or demand something of people but it is a collaborative hobby and you kind of got to you can chance your own with people sometimes and just get a game out of them and other times you might not but look at what you can put in chance your own speak to some people and speak to them like peers and you'll probably get a good result think yeah no i think so mate okay and we're exactly the same we are totally approachable so send us emails <laughs> comment wherever you find this podcast chase us down and ask us questions tough ones if you like we're kind of nice guys but we'd love to get involved in them in a wider conversation about anything hobby related so you know if you've got any questions at all uh, stuff you'd like to hear us tackle you want to get involved then do that um, because you know we will happily talk for an hour on any gaming related subject with no preparation as has been evidenced by tonight's podcast <laughs> so unless there's anything else Gaz I think it's probably time to say goodbye to our loyal listener and um, and I'll say that that's what the Smart Party did this week yeah absolutely thanks for listening everybody and just to really labour the point if you've got any sort of questions or thoughts or anything you want to throw our way just give it us you know we'll chat about it uh, and you know get out there and game yourselves be the gaming personalities make some write some send an email anything to do to make more networks and connections on this lovely glorious gaming hobby that we've got is all good <laughs>